Chapter Twenty of Elsie's Motherhood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Elsie's Motherhood by Martha Finley. Chapter Twentieth. Before we end our pilgrimage, tis fit that we should leave corruption and foul sin behind us. But with washed feet and hands, the heathen dared not enter their profane temples, and for me to hope my passage to eternity can be made easy till I have shook off the burden of my sin in free confession, aided with sorrow and repentance for them, is against reason, Massinger. It began to be noticed that Wilkins Foster also had disappeared. It was said that he had not been seen since the raid upon Fairview, and the general supposition was that he had taken part in the outrage, received a wound in the fray, and, on the advent of the troops, had fled the country. His mother and sisters led a very retired life, seldom going from home except to attend church, and even there they had been frequently missing of late. Elsie had been much engaged in efforts to comfort her old friend, Mrs. Carrington, and to entertain Mr. Lilbourne, who was still at Ian. Little excursions to the point of interest in the vicinity, and visits to the plantations of different families of the connection, who vied with each other in doing him honor, filled up the time to the exclusion of almost everything else, except the home duties, which she would never allow herself to neglect. Baskets of fruit and game, accompanied by kind messages, had found their way now and again from Ian to the cottage home of the Fosters. But weeks had passed since the sweet face of Ian's mistress had been seen within its walls. Elsie's tender conscience reproached her for this, when, after an absence of several Sabbaths, Mrs. Foster again occupied her pew in the church, of which both were members. The poor lady was clad in rusty black, seemed to be aging fast, and the pale, thin face had a weary, heartbroken expression that brought tears to Elsie's eyes. When the service closed, she took pains to intercept Mrs. Foster, who was trying to slip away unnoticed and taking her hand in a warm clasp, kindly inquired concerning the health of herself and family. About as usual, Mrs. Travilla, was the reply. I'm glad to hear it. I feared you were ill. You are looking weary. And no wonder after your long walk. You must let us take you home. There is plenty of room in the carriage as the gentleman came on horseback, and it will be a real pleasure to me to have your company. The sincere, earnest, kind tone and manner quite disalarmed the pride of the fallen gentlewoman, and a momentary glow of grateful pleasure lightened up her sad face. But it will take you fully a mile out of your way, she said, hesitating to accept the proffered kindness. Ah, that is no objection. It is so lovely a day for a drive, said Elsie, leading the way to the carriage. 
this seems like a return of the good old times before the war sighed mrs foster leaning back upon the softly cushioned seat as they bowled rapidly along ah mrs travilla if we could but have been content to let well enough alone i have grown weary inexpressibly weary of all this hate bitterness and contention in the poverty ah well i will not complain as she closed her lips resolutely it was a sad mistake elsie answered echoing the sigh and it will take many years to recover from it yes i shall not live to see it nor i perhaps not here but yonder in a better land elsie answered with a smile of hope and gladness mrs foster nodded assent her heart too full for utterance nor did she speak again till the carriage drew up before her own door then repeating her thanks you have not been here for a long time mrs travilla she said i know i have not returned your calls but she paused seemingly again overcome with emotion ah that shall not keep me away if you wish me to come returned elsie we would be very glad hardly any one else so welcome i fear i have neglected you but shall try to come soon and shall be pleased at any time to see you at ian elsie answered as the carriage drove on a day or two afterward she fulfilled her promise and was admitted by annie the eldest daughter she too looked pale and careworn and had evidently been weeping oh mrs travilla she exclaimed and burst into a fresh flood of tears elsie her own eyes filling with sympathetic drops put her arm about her whispering my poor dear child what can i do to comfort you nothing nothing sobbed the girl resting her head for a moment on elsie's shoulder but come to the parlor dear mrs travilla and let me call mamma oh stay a moment elsie said detaining her are you sure quite sure that i can do nothing to help you annie shook her head this trouble is beyond human help yes yes you can pray for us and for him the last words were almost inaudible from emotion and she hurried away leaving the guest sole occupant of the room involuntarily elsie glanced about her and a pang went to her heart as she noticed that every article of luxury almost of comfort had disappeared the pictures were gone from the walls the pretty ornaments from the mantel and center table coarse cheap matting covered the floor in lieu of the costly carpet of other days and rosewood and damask had given place to cottage furniture of the simplest and most inexpensive kind how they must feel the change she thought within herself and yet perhaps just now these minor trials are probably shallowed up in a greater one mrs foster came in looking shabbier and more heartbroken than at their last interview my dear mrs travilla this is kind she said making a strong effort to speak with composure but failing utterly as she met the tender sympathizing look in the sweet soft eyes of her visitor 
Elsie put her arms about her and wept with her. "'Someone is ill, I fear,' she said at length. "'Yes, my son. Oh, Mrs. Travilla, I am going to lose him.' And she was well-nigh convulsing with bitter, choking sobs. "'While there is life, there is hope,' whispered Elsie. "'Who can say what God may do for us in answer to our prayers?' The mother shook her head in sad hopelessness. The doctor has given up. Says nothing more can be done. Dr. Barton? No, no, Savage. Oh, if we could but have had Barton at first, the result might have been different. I have no confidence in Savage, even when sober, and he's drunk nearly all the time. Oh, then things may not be so bad as he represents them. Let me send over for Dr. Barton at once. Thank you, but I must ask Wilkins first. He was wounded some weeks ago, injured internally, and has been suffering agonies of pain ever since. I wanted Dr. Barton sent for at once, but he would not hear of it. Said the risk was too great, and he must trust to Savage. But now the greater risk is doing without him, suggested Elsie. May I not send immediately? "'Excuse me one moment, and I will ask,' the mother said, leaving the room. She returned shortly to say that Wilkins had consented that Dr. Barton should be summoned, accepted Mrs. Travilla's kind offer with thanks. Elsie at once sent her servant and carriage upon the errand, and meanwhile engaged in conversation with her hostess. It was principally an account by the latter of her son's illness, his sufferings, she said, had been intense, at first borne with fierce impatience and muttering imprecations upon the hand that inflicted the wound. He had likened himself to a caged tiger. So unbearable was the confinement to him, almost more so than the torturing pain. But of late a great change had come over him. He had grown quiet and submissive, and the bitter hate seemed to have died out of his heart as it has out of mine, I hope, continued the mother, the big tears rolling down her cheeks. I am now sensible that the feelings I have indulged against some persons, the Lelands principally, were most unchristian, and I hope the Lord has helped me to put them away. It has been hard for us to see strangers occupying our dear old home, and yet it was certainly no fault of theirs that we were compelled to give it up. That is true, Elsie said. I think I can understand both your feelings and theirs. But they are good, dear Christian people, and I assure you bear no ill will. Ah, is that so? I am told Leland has not really gone north, as supposed, but has returned to the plantation since, since the coming of the troops. He has, and he is nearly recovered from his wound. He was wounded then? Yes, pretty badly. And was hidden somewhere, and his wife staying on alone with her children and servants? I wonder she had the courage. She has put her trust in the Lord, as I believe both you and I do, my dear Mrs. Foster, and he has not failed her. Mrs. Foster mused sadly for a moment. I have felt so hard to her, she murmured, at length, in low, trembling tones, 
is she a christian whom i love for the master's sake and it was quite natural for her to defend her and her children i should have done the same for mine she had not mentioned when or where wilkins had received his wound but elsie knew now that it was at fairview and that mrs leland or archie's hand had sped the bullet that had done such fearful work dr barton came mrs foster went with him to the sick-room and elsie lingered anxious to hear his opinion of the case but annie came hurrying in with her tear-swollen face dear mrs travilla won't you come too she sobbed mamma will be so glad and and wilkins begs you will come elsie rose and put her arm around the waist of the weeping girl i will gladly do all i can for him your mamma or any of you she whispered there was no want of comfort or luxury in the sick room mother and sisters had sacrificed every such thing to this idol of their hearts this only son and brother he lay propped up with pillows his face pale as that of a corpse and breathing with great difficulty dr barton sat at the bedside with his finger on his patient's pulse while he asked a few brief questions then relapsed into a thoughtful silence all eyes were turned upon him with intense anxiety waiting in almost breathless suspense for his verdict but his countenance betrayed nothing oh doctor sighed the mother at length have you no word of hope to speak let us have none of false hope doctor gasped the sufferer i would know <laughs> the worst my poor lad said the kind-hearted old physician in tender fatherly tones i will not deceive you whatever preparation you have to make for your last long journey let it be made at once with a burst of uncontrollable anguish the mother and sisters fell upon their knees at the bedside how long doctor faltered the sick man you will hardly see the rising of another sun the low gently spoken words pierced more than one heart as with a dagger's point was this wound mortal in the first place asked wilkins i think not if it had had prompt and proper attention but that is a question of little importance now you are beyond human skill is there anything in which i can assist you yes yes pray for my guilty soul it was no new thing for dr barton to do an earnest christian he ministered to the souls as well as the bodies of his patients he knelt and offered up a fervent prayer for the dying one that repentance and remission of sins might be given him and that he might have a saving faith in the lord jesus and trusting only in his imputed righteousness be granted an abundant entrance into his kingdom and glory thanks doctor gasped wilkins i-i've been a bad man a very bad wicked man can there be any hope for me 
whosoever will let him take the water of life freely he that cometh unto me i will in no wise cast out isn't it too late the hollow eyes gazed despairingly into the doctor's face whosoever will you may come if you will so long as death has not fixed your eternal state i will lord help save me me a poor lost vile help sinner he cried lifting his eyes and clasping hands to heaven while great tears coursed down his sulken cheeks i cast myself at thy feet oh pardon save me or i am lost lost forever the eyes closed the hands dropped and for a moment they thought he had passed away with that agonizing cry for mercy and forgiveness but a deep sigh heaved his breast his lips moved and his mother bent over him to catch the words leland send for him with streaming eyes she turned to elsie and repeated the words adding do you think he will come i am quite sure of it i will go for him at once the white eyes were moving again the mother explained amid her choking sobs he says the wife too and your husband and father oh will they come tell them my boy is dying and will go at peace with all the world i will and they will come elsie answered weeping and hurried away she drove directly to fairview and was so fortunate as to find her husband and father they were conversing with mr and mrs leland her sad story was quickly told and listened to by all with deep commiseration for the impoverished and afflicted family you will not refuse the poor dying man's request papa edward she said in conclusion certainly not they answered speaking both together we will set out immediately and you leland will gladly accompany you i bear the poor man no malice and would rejoice to do him any good in my power what do you say mary she looked at him a little anxiously is it quite safe for you quite i think he replied appealing to the other gentlemen for their opinion they agreed with him mr dinsmore adding i have no doubt the man is sincere and i have still more confidence in his mother whom i have long looked upon as a truly christian woman besides remarked mr travilla the Ku Klux would hardly dare to venture an outrage now. The most desperate have fled the country, and the rest stand in wholesome awe of the troops. I am quite, quite sure there is no risk in going, said Elsie earnestly, but whatever is done must be done quickly, for Wilkins is evidently very near his end, may perhaps expire before we arrive, even though we make all haste at that there was a general hurried movement and in less time than it takes to tell it they were on their way mrs leland in the carriage with elsie and the gentleman on horseback under the influence of the restoratives administered by dr barton 
great apparent improvement had taken place in wilkins's condition he was in less pain breathed more freely and spoke with less difficulty at the sight of his visitors his pale face flushed slightly and an expression of regret and mortification swept over his features thank you all for coming he said feebly please be seated i am at the very brink of the grave and and i would go at peace with all men i i've hated you every one and you leland i would have killed if i could i was in the attempt to do so that i received my own death wound at the hands of your wife mrs leland started trembled and burst into tears that part of the story elsie had omitted and she heard it now for the first time don't be disturbed he said you were doing right in defending yourself husband and children yes yes she sobbed but oh i would save you now if i could can nothing be done he shook his head sadly will you can you all forgive me he asked in tones so faint and low that only the death-like silence of the room made the words audible with all my heart poor fellow as i hope to be forgiven my infinitely greater debt to my lord mr leland answered with emotion taking the wasted hand and clasping it warmly in his foster was deeply touched god bless you for the words he whispered how i've been mistaken in you sir his eyes sought the faces of dinsmore and travilla and drawing near the bed each took his hand in turn gave him the same assurance he had received from leland then the last named said i ask your forgiveness foster for any exasperating word i may have spoken or anything else i have done to rouse unkind feelings toward me in reply the dying man pressed leland's hand and moved silence mrs leland rose impetuously and dropped upon her knees at the bedside and me she cried with a gush of tears will you forgive me your death i cannot bear to think it was my work even though it was done in lawful self-defense and to save my dear ones it is all right between us he murmured and relapsed into unconsciousness we are too many here said the physician dismissing all but the mother elsie remained in the adjoining room trying to comfort the sisters while mrs leland and the gentlemen repaired to the veranda where they found mr wood who had just arrived having been sent for to converse and pray with the dying man how does he seem he asked can i go at once to the room not now he is unconscious said mr dinsmore and went on to describe foster's condition mental moral and physical as evidenced in his interview with them in the earlier one with dr barton of which elsie had given them an account ah god grant he may indeed find mercy 
and be enabled to lay hold upon christ to the saving of his soul even at this eleventh hour ejaculated the pastor a deathbed repentance is more ground for hope i have seen many of them in my fifty years of ministry but of all those who had recovered from what had seemed mortal illness but one held fast to his profession the others all went back to their formal evil ways showing convulsively that they had been self-deceived and theirs but the hope of the hypocrite which shall perish whose hope shall be cut off and whose trust shall be a spider's web yet with our god all things are possible and the invitation is to all who are yet on praying ground whosoever will at this moment elsie glided into their midst and putting her hand into that of her pastor said in low tearful tones i am glad you have come he is conscious again and asking for you he went with her to the bedside the glazing eyes grew bright for an instant you have come oh tell me what i must do to be saved i can only point you to the lamb of god that taketh away the sins of the world returned the pastor deeply moved only repeat his invitation look unto me and be saved all ye ends of the earth i am trying trying came faintly from the pale lips while the hands moved slowly feebly from side to side as if groping in the dark lord save a deep hush filled the room broken presently by the mother's wail as she fell on her knees at the bedside and taking the cold hand in hers covered it with kisses and tears with the last word the spirit had taken its flight to him time should be no longer eternity had begun few and evil had been his days he was not yet thirty and possessed of fine constitution and vigorous health had every prospect of long life had he been content to live at peace with his fellow-men but by violent dealing he had passed away in the midst of his years bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days the wages of sin is death End of chapter twenty